0: Very good morning, everybody. This is Squatbox. Welcome to the program. Wall Street eyes record highs as strong bank earnings kick off the season, while Asian shares scale a nine-month peak amid hopes for a U.S.-China trade deal. And Huawei CEO Ren Zhengfei
1: tells CNBC exclusively that his daughter's arrest may have been politically motivated and slams President Donald Trump's intimidating tactics.
2: If President Trump continues intimidating other countries and companies and keeps randomly detaining people, who would risk investing in the U.S.?
3: President Trump attacks the Fed again, calling its policy-tightening killer, as ECB President Mario Draghi expresses his concerns over central bank autonomy in the U.S.
2: I'm certainly worried about central bank independence in other countries, especially in uh, in jurisdictions, as in the most important jurisdiction in the world.
3: In an exclusive interview with CNBC, Italian finance minister Giovanni Tria says Rome hasn't seen a negative reaction from the U.S. after signing up for China's Belt and Road Initiative.
4: We backlash. We, we have a strategic partnership and alliance with the United States and the, the other uh, um, countries allied with NATO, this doesn't change.
0: Plus, Tiger Woods wins his first major title in more than a decade and his 15th overall as the golf break claims victory at the 2019 Masters.
3: Good morning everyone. Uh, Let me take you to the market action we're seeing across the Asian uh, region so far today. Some hopes again that we might be getting stability in the economic data from China. We saw the import export numbers late last week and they provided some hope that we are going back on track when it comes to stronger export import trade numbers, but also bank loans and that jumped by more than expected. So investors have a little bit in the data to respond to, but uh, by and large investors also looking to the trade winds as we've had more conversations between the US and China. And the latest is uh, some comments from US Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin saying that he hopes those U.S.-China trade talks are approaching a final lap and there are suggestions that the U.S. may not lean too heavily on China around state subsidies. So the market uh, you can see responding, showing a Composite rallying 1.1% uh, are fading too in that Japanese yen trade putting some money back into Tokyo stocks 300 plus on the Nikkei 225 nearly trade, 1.4% higher so very strong trade uh, right across the board some of this too for the United States action one of the big fears now has been U.S. earnings and we kicked off the Friday uh, with uh, bank earnings from the likes of J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. Bit of a split reaction. I'll take you to that in just a moment. But take a look at the finish for the Dow, uh, a rally of 269 points or 1%. You had a gain of just over six-tenths on the S&P and the Nasdaq uh, climbing by about half of a percent. So green right across the board, but also when it comes to the percentage gains. And so let me take you to those numbers. Across the course of the week, we still saw the S&P and Nasdaq in positive territory. The Dow not for the week, uh, only just in negative territory. But uh, still, we had the dynamics in the backdrop I think investors were responding to, which is that volatility, the fear gauge is pulled right back. We were below 12 on Friday, uh, hitting its lowest level since October. So it tells you how investors are inclined to put money back to work in uh, risk assets. And uh, you saw that uh, across in a number of big uh, stocks the banks will take you to. But also you saw it in WTI. We saw uh, six straight weeks of gains for the oil trade. So let's just take you to those banks because it was a split reaction, whether this is a a to what might may lie ahead and that is what investors have to extrapolate out now from the two very mixed bank numbers JP Morgan very strong to the point where analysts are saying is this the best of it from the banking sector we're up 4.7 percent almost on the stock by the close of the session the comments from the CEO Jamie Dimon also bullish on the conference call so uh, some analysts were calling an unbelievable tone that was set from the banker firing on all cylinders. Uh, effectively, net interest income growth up 8%, uh, 2.5% lift in net interest margin. So results are a strong indictment of the consumer. Wells Fargo, though, you could see going in the opposite direction, falling by 2.6%. The profit guidance here was weak. The, uh, analysts were told on a conference call to expect net interest income to fall by as much as 5% this year. And that's been one of the concerns about some of the fading demand story that might be out there uh, with the US consumer, whether bank credit cards will be flashing up some some weakness. So we uh, continue through the rest of the bank reporting season this week and we'll see what those numbers look like. But so far, a bit of a mixed start from the sector. The opening calls, uh, let's just take a quick look at how the signals are this morning before the start of trade. Very strong. We're anticipating real as We begin the trading session this week. We're chasing 84 on the Italian market, 10 on the French, 28 on the Zetra in Germany, and we're chasing 18 on the FTSE here in the UK. But some of the risks around Brexit have faded. That takes a major level of uncertainty off the table. No ECB, of course, this week either. So signals are strong, and that looks like the response will be to some of those trade conversations in the background.
0: Huawei CEO Ren Zhengfei has told CNBC exclusively President Trump is a great president, but that, quote, intimidating tactics could scare off investors. Well, a very rare opportunity to sit down and talk with this gentleman. Arjun had the privilege and joins us from Shenzhen. Uh, Share some more of the wisdom, Arjun.
1: Well, one of the reasons he praised President Donald Trump was around the tax cuts, and he said these have been good for the economy, they will continue to help companies grow earnings, but he said some of his uh, more intimidating tactics perhaps, and he didn't name specific countries or companies to which President Trump has been aggressive to, but we know Huawei is one of those companies that has been banned for several years uh, in the U.S. The Trump administration has accused the company of being a national security risk, saying that it could be used by the Chinese government for espionage. These are all allegations, of course, that Huawei have repeatedly denied, but it's been dragged into this U.S.-China trade war. So I asked Ren Fei, the founder of Huawei, what his thoughts were on the president's leadership style and his tactics. Let's listen in to what he had to say.
2: I would like to comment on President Trump without considering his administration's treatment of Huawei. I would like to express my own opinions instead of as a Huawei representative. I would say he is a great president. He is the first president of a democracy to reduce taxes significantly within such a short period of time. His tax cuts are helping revitalize enterprises. That's why I said he is a great president. But he also has shortcomings. If President Trump continues intimidating other countries and companies and keeps randomly detaining people, who would risk investing in the U.S.? People will be afraid of getting trapped there. If no one dares to invest in the U.S., then how can they make up for lost tax revenue? The government would find it hard to address its deficit. When he reduces taxes, he must be hoping to attract more investment. But if investors are scared that they won't get their money back, they won't dare to invest in the U.S. After he reduced taxes, he should have been friendlier to other countries and try to convince everyone that the U.S. is a great place to invest. If everyone went to invest in the U.S., the U.S. economy would grow dramatically. The U.S. doesn't need to conquer the world through violence. They have great technologies, skilled labor, and economic strength. Any one of these things could help them conquer the world. They don't need a warship to conquer the world. The cost of using a warship is high. If they attack a country, that country will fight back.
1: And uh, Mr. Ren, you've said in the past that The U.S. government hasn't seen Huawei's technology, hasn't seen Huawei's source code. Would you invite Donald Trump and his administration to your campus here in Shenzhen to let them see the technology that you have to put their their fears at rest?
2: They are more than welcome to come and visit us at Shenzhen.
1: Lots of military imagery there in his criticism of President Trump. Uh, That is often how Mr. Ren speaks in his speeches. He comes from a military background, used to be in the People's Liberation Army. Now to some extent, of course, Huawei has been dragged into this US-China trade war against its will. So I asked Mr. Ren whether he felt Huawei was a pawn in the broader battle between the US and China. Let's listen to his response.
2: If the U.S. thinks we can be used as a pawn, I'd say they probably have the wrong person. We cannot help solve the China-U.S. trade disputes because we don't really sell in the U.S. and have no influence on China-U.S. relations.
1: But as much as Mr. Ren feels that perhaps Huawei uh, won't be involved in any kind of trade deal uh, or can't influence the matters at all, President Trump in February indicated that Huawei and even their rival ZTE, another Chinese uh, network equipment maker, could be part of a broader trade deal with China, and that could still potentially be on the on the table. Um, In other part of the interview, Mr. Ren was uh, very strong on his criticism of the U.S. He said the the U.S. is probably scared of Huawei, which is why they're criticizing the company so much. Uh, And also said that the U.S.'s criticism of Huawei has been a very good advert for the company globally and has actually helped it gain business in in certain countries. Even though Mr. Ren doesn't feel that Huawei could be part of a trade, what's very clear in the overarching theme here is that technology... 5G, some of these critical uh, pieces of technology that are are seen uh, as the future are going to be front and center of any trade discussions between the US and China and will eventually be formed into one, uh, into part of this trade deal. Guys, back to you in London.
0: Arjun, a fascinating uh, conversation, particularly as we appear to be on the verge of a trade deal happening, if we can believe uh, US Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. But let me just ask you, um, obviously, there are more issues beyond just the technology here for Mr Wren, and that's the fact that his daughter Uh, is still trapped in this uh, legal limbo as she uh, awaits extradition perhaps to the United States from Canada. This is Meng Wanzhou of course. Um, What did he have to say about that and does he not feel bitter about the the way that the uh, Canadian and American legal systems are operating? Uh, Clearly the Chinese perceive that this is an unfair case.
1: In his often headstrong stance, I asked him about Meng Guangzhou and his daughter. I said, personally, how has it affected you? And he said to me that Meng Guangzhou has faced very little hardship in her life. And this episode will toughen her up uh essentially he then showed me a picture of a, a soviet warship from world war ii that had been attacked uh, and battered and said that it landed back at base and it was hailed as a hero and he said that's a metaphor for his daughter Meng wanzhou so he, he's staying resilient at least publicly he's saying his daughter is staying resilient he did say that he believes that these are um uh, charges against Meng Wanzhou, uh, you know, she's innocent, they, they have no basis. Um, and there was a very interesting point in the interview, which will, will certainly play out in the next hour, for sure, where I said, do you believe that Meng Wanzhou is a hostage in this U.S. trade war? Well, and all he said back was maybe. So he clearly feels that there is some political motivation behind her arrest. Of course, she was arrested in Canada in December, but on the request of the U.S. authorities. So. While he hasn't really spoken much about the political nature of this, he gave us some first indications to us in that interview, which we will bring you more of later, that he feels that there was a bit of political motivation behind that arrest.
3: Arjun, thank you very much for that. I'm looking forward to more of the conversation and uh, you can read about this as well. Uh, more on why Huawei's boss says he's now open to selling 5G chips to Apple for iPhones. Head online to CNBC.com. I was just making the point. I wasn't sure whether Arjun was standing in an Apple store there or a Huawei one. They Very, very similar. The same timber on the desktops, the same backdrop. Yeah, and and that
0: um, cuts to the heart of the issue, doesn't it? Uh, As we continue to watch these uh, trade negotiations run through, there is an issue of IP theft uh, that sits on the table and must be addressed here. And as you make the point... Uh, Maybe it's just a huge coincidence that they had similar designers who had the same kind of ideas in mind about open plan areas and those uh, very clean uh, desktops with assistants wandering around them. Or maybe... They looked at what the other company had done and thought, well, we'll do that as well. Well, maybe
3: there's that, but I think uh, the, the point of would hit back at right now is that they're much more advanced when it comes to technology on smartphones. That Foldable phone, Apple's not done a foldable phone, high-priced, uh, very high specifications. So I think they would argue back that they're, they're more advanced these days. They just
0: like the same taste in interior design, is that what we're saying? That's right, exactly.
3: It makes the customer feel at home, regardless of where they are. Let's push on. U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says trade talks with China are reaching the, quote, final round of concluding issues. Mnuchin told reporters that negotiators will hold more conversations this week and decided more face-to-face meetings are necessary. He hinted at a potential deal that will go way beyond previous efforts to open China to US firms, adding that an agreement will have real enforcement on both sides. The US trade negotiators are retreating from demands that China end subsidies to state-run industrial companies, according to Reuters. The report says the US ran into strong resistance from Beijing, which sees these issues as a key part of its long-term development strategy. US officials are now said to be focusing on other issues like technology transfers and intellectual property protection. Richard Kelly joins us, head of global strategy at TD Securities. It seems those US negotiators have found a red line for the Chinese, and that is subsidies that Chinese want to hold on to, its ability to have flexibility in terms of investing into big industries, probably namely tech. What do you make of where we stand in the way investors are trading around a resolution?
5: I think we're certainly priced more for a deal than not a deal now. I mean, we've gone through these ups and downs. Um, I think you had a tweet you know, a few weeks ago that we were very, very close. So We can kind of con- continue to see there are a number of issues that have to go off. So I think enforcement was critical if you wanted to see a deal get approved because both sides wanted to make sure it was delivered, especially the U.S. Otherwise, it was just a a lot, discuss- lot of talk. And nothing's going to come through but i I think it it still seems like there's you know at least several more weeks of this to go before you can really say we're done don't
3: you feel like we're just being nursed along here read one more storybook while everybody tries to work out some detail behind the scenes i mean there's no real tangibles at this point, and we were promised a, a deal at a 90-day window at the start of the year that didn't happen. And here we are in uh, almost uh, mid-April, and there's no deal. Why do investors have so much faith that there's something forthcoming?
5: Well, I think in part, I mean, we, we got used early on Trump was using very strong language. I think that was shaking the markets. Now I think they, they've noticed, look, we've gotten far enough along that we can continue these negotiations in the background. We don't have to damage public sentiment as this is going along. And As, as long as they think this is progressing, I think they're okay with that. So I think that's what you're is it's a a bit of a different public tactic. I think behind the scenes everything is still going along as it was, but I think they're trying to keep this a little more uh, kind of rosy as it comes up front and just continue to work on the background, which potentially raises the downside risks. If we're all being sort of spoon-fed along that things are okay, things are okay, and that's the only message coming out. And as we know, many negotiations break down at the end because what gets left are all the hard issues there still is that downside risk once we get out of this. Yeah, and that's my point. I mean, is this deal already in the price for global equity markets? I think to a large extent, yes. And I think the issue here is it would be extremely disruptive to what is a very fragile global growth environment, concerns about risk, central banks that are, that are sort of on the precipice of having to deliver another round of easing to have this come through. So we're absolutely not in the price because of the significant implications it could have spilling through um, into that sentiment. Uh, Markets
0: uh, in the United States and in Asia up double-digit year-to-date here and yet this has happened against the backdrop of sideways or weakening global economic data. The IMF came out with a very clear message about its third downgrade since last October. The G20 talking about we need to take these trade wars off the table if we're going to make forward progress for growth. How worried
5: or otherwise do you think we actually should be? Uh, I think it is a very coordinated, but a somewhat slow Burn deceleration of what's been going on in the global economy. The issue is you had a significant amount of volatility around year end. Um, you know, still lots of questions as to whether that was actually driven by some of the, the trade issues that we were just talking about. What we saw was a massive accumulation of inventories in Asia as the Trump tariffs were about to be put in place. When they came in place, production was able to shut down. And that's what was happening in November, December, January. A lot of these Asian production processes just didn't weren't producing at all. So you had this massive collapse in production that's moving through We we seem to be on the back end of that, but those inventories are still there. But I think it shows us the long lag that these disruptions can have. We're we're used to looking at smooth processes. We're used to looking at monetary policy on a lens of 18 to 24 months. When you're talking about trade issues and sudden disruptions in these processes, it can have sudden implications that sort of ripple through the global economy.
0: Okay, we'll come back. We'll talk about how the markets are priced around this because apparently the markets have a different view to the bond markets as to uh, what this actually means We've got to squeeze in a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment as well as talking about that. We'll also pick up on Italy. The finance minister plays down any U.S. backlash to Rome's participation in China's Belt and Road Initiative. We'll have more on that exclusive when we return. Italy's finance minister Giovanni Tria has played down any repercussions after Rome signed up to be part of China's Belt and Road initiative in an exclusive interview with CNBC. Tria was also asked whether he sees any issue with the European Commission over the Italian government's budget.
4: I don't see any problem because our commitment with the Commission, uh, was, our commitment was on the structural deficit, and this means considering the cycle, the economic cycle, and then we will respect the, we'll respect this commitment.
6: You have a 23 billion euro hole that needs to be plugged by October. Now, the Five Star Movement has said that they do not want to raise VAT taxes. So where are you going to fill that hole? How are you going to fill it, if not by raising VAT? I
4: think we will uh, we'll find uh, a balanced solution on debt will uh, reform the fiscal system, will continue to reform progressively our fiscal system, considering our budget constraint.
6: But what do you tell investors who are worried that that 23 billion euro hole might not be filled and we could see further fiscal slippage in the deficit?
4: I think the investor have to see our um, solid uh, economic and the productive system. We had uh, some problems and a slowdown at the uh, end of the last uh, year, but uh, just, uh, and, uh, just in this uh, few months of the current year, indicators show us that we are progressively recovering in our economy.
6: There is some concern from the international community that the coalition might not last after the European parliamentary elections. Uh, what do you tell people who are concerned about the longevity of this coalition?
4: But this is a coalition government. But I want to highlight that the, the global cons- the the, uh, the consensus of this government is higher than I think the majority of. The, uh, of the go- European other governments.
6: Would you say that Italy has a good relationship with Europe right now? Sorry? Does Italy have a good relationship with Europe right now?
4: Yes, of course we have a good relationship. We are part of the Europe. We are a founding member. We discuss now how to sustain growth at European level. This is uh, the current discussion in Europe and also in uh, in, in the world, as uh, if you look at what we are discussing here in Washington.
6: Final question, Uh, because you're here in Washington, Italy recently signed an MOU with China uh, to officially endorse the Belt Road Initiative. Uh, Was there any backlash uh, from the United States when you had discussions with them?
4: We are not any backlash. We we have a strategic partnership and alliance with the United States and the the other uh, um, countries uh, allied with NATO. This doesn't change. This is our position. But we signed an agreement. It's it's not an agreement, but just a memorandum of understanding. I think this means uh, that we sign a memorandum of or intention to develop um, commercial uh, activities, uh, investment in a a framework of uh, international cooperation.
0: Uh, Minister Tria there, Richard Kelly is with us Head of Global Strategy at TD Securities. Italy was just one of a whole list of potential problems for the market. Currently, the market's been prepared to look through all of these uh, risk issues. Does that uh, continue for a little while longer while the central banks appear to be on
5: point on easy monetary conditions? I I think there's probably two things that help us to look through it for the time being. One is things looked potentially dire at the start of the year and they're starting to look less bad and less bad as we go around and The echo effect of that is starting to make the data surprise to the upside So we've seen that with Chinese data. We've seen that with US and survey data You know we should be starting to get this in some of the European surveys as well I think that gives us a little bit of a lift um, And and sort of carries us through this process and then the same thing is as long as we're still getting downgrades Central banks continue to talk dovish. We had the ECB take another step in that direction last week and that helps people uh, have some sort of that there is some action potentially here if it gets worse.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
3: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.